0: No, I was, uh, we're going to be coming out of Isaiah, (coughs) the ninth chapter, just two verses, probably the uh, most well-known verses, maybe even in the the Old Testament. Um, But I was was thinking on our drive up here of how blessed we are to know about the Messiah, to know about Jesus. Children's Church, right? (laughs) Children's Church. There we go. But how blessed we are to really have this picture of Jesus. We have the whole New Testament that describes his life, describes what he's going to be doing, how he's instituted things through um, the disciples and the writers of the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, can you imagine the prophets when God was speaking to them and and drawing this picture of them of who Jesus would be? And I think for Isaiah, this had to be maybe one of those wow moments. I want to talk about five things about the Messiah, as they would call him in the Old Testament. We call him that also. We know him by the name Jesus. But it says in in, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again, as we look at that, I often wondered what prophets would think when God would speak to them about this coming Messiah this coming Savior of the world, Jesus. What were their eyes filled with? What were they looking at? And all we really know is that they had sort of this picture drawn out of words, out of what God gave them. And there's two words that start out here. It says, unto us a child is born. And I think that's really unique in in this manner, is that it's a child. God became man and lived amongst us. So we see the humanity of God in the Christ child and then he said a child is born and we see um, the um, sacredness of God giving his one and only son the only way of salvation the only way of everlasting life to us and so we see both the humanity and we see the deity of God that is expressed here and could The people even wrapped their minds around that. What was that going to look at? And as we know when we get closer to the New Testament, people had all sorts of expectations of what Jesus would come as and what he would look at and what he would do. I sometimes wonder how Isaiah looked at that. So he was going to come to the nation of Israel and he would begin this new covenant. And as Paul even shared at the Lord's table, this is the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. And so there was going to be this new covenant that came first to Israel, first to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles, which would be most of us. And so it was a gift, it was a present that was going to be coming. And what were they thinking when they had this description? We sing a a hymn that says, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Christ the King. What did that look like to them? What were they expecting? Well, as most of us, we probably get it a little bit wrong, but they knew that their hope was in God and whatever it was that God had for them, it was going to be great. But as these words played out, it gave a description of the character of who Christ would be, of who this Messiah would be. Understanding what child is this is very important because we see both the humanity and the deity of God. God who came to earth became fully man and yet retained to be fully God. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can't understand all that. He came down, he set aside some attributes, but it says he was tempted in all ways as we were tempted. He had emotions and feelings as we had. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. We know that you know, he was betrayed. He had friendships that, that went wrong. A lot of things that we face in this world Jesus experienced and he went through that yet the Bible will teach us without sin and he who was without sin became sin for us so even back in the Old Testament as they're talking about this Messiah this Christ it's still greatly linked to the Easter season to the time when Jesus will go to the cross the death burial and resurrection and the coming of Christ and these are all parts of his character that he's going to describe you know Faith Hill has a song called a baby changes everything if you listen to some of the contemporary christmas songs it's sort of a neat thing and, and when you think about that a baby was going to change the course of the world even as we talked last week there is nobody that has been born or ever will be born that has impacted the world that can impact a life as jesus can Amen. and so her whole one of her verses in this song a baby changes everything my whole life was turned around i was lost but now i'm found a baby changes everything. And that's really the simple message of the gospel. Christ came to change lives. And so, as Isaiah is prophesying about this and as he is sharing this, there's a great hope that goes out. There's a great expectation that goes out. And even though he would never live to see it in his lifetime, the hope was there. And so, when we look at the Old Testament, we see those that are looking forward to the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. And where we're at from our vantage point, we're looking back. And what Jesus did, and it all gets tied together. But the first question is this: Is has this baby, has this child, changed your life? A baby changes everything. Has he changed your life? Secondly, it says that he will rule, and it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He was going to come down and be over God's people. He was going to rule the Jewish nation. He was going to have control and dominion over them. Micah 5.2 said, From you shall come forth a ruler in Israel. And that was going to be Christ. And so their expectations were great to have this Messiah come. And then he was going to rule over the world. It says, the Lord will be king over all the earth. So even though there are those now in this world that don't bow the knee, that don't acknowledge him, that, uh, you know, I, I would say the most amazing thing is, as, since the time of Christ, the world has tried to get rid of him. They have tried to get rid of his word. They have tried to get rid of his people, but his word survives. His word is sustained. Amen. And the stronger that the evil gets, the stronger that God's people get. Amen. We have an opportunity during this season, this Christmas season, to really take a stand for what Christ is all about, to show the world that he makes a difference, that this baby that came so many years ago, makes a difference. Because it wasn't an ordinary baby, but it was the Messiah, it was the Christ, it was Jesus, the Lord who came. And we can share that hope with people during this time, when so many people are struggling with depression, they're struggling with anxiety, they're struggling... I mean, I think of these people in the Midwest that just went through these tornadoes and the devastation. If you watch the news... I think even out west right now, there's like two to four feet of snow being dumped on towns. I think I heard Upper Michigan, um, I can't remember how many people are without, are, are without power. Devastation that's sort of going on up there. And you would think these people would look and say, what is there to be rejoicing? What is there to be glad about? You know, and, and their world is sort of turned upside down. And we got the answer. The answer is in Christ. It's not in our possessions that we can empathize and sympathize with them. And I, and I really believe, um, I think our, our board sort of put out a, a call that maybe there's something we can do to help a ministry down that way if we discover one. We should be thinking and praying about that. But we can speak hope into people's lives during devastation because if it's not this week, it's going to be next week because these things continue to happen. And our hope, as the song says, is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness, right? So we believe in him and we have that hope. And so he's going to rule over all the world. And even though there's people that aren't bending a knee now or acknowledging him, the day is going to come. It says when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He will be king over all the earth. And Isaiah declared that the the government was going to be upon his shoulders. It's sort of a unique statement. But he was going to govern all people. We need to understand that. His government, not our government, not the way we think our government should be, but his government, a righteous government, a true government, a fair government based on his holiness and based on his righteousness. And he's going to judge properly and fairly when it comes to judgment of, of eternal life. So it's not, oh, I got all these friends, I've been doing this, you know, I've been pastor for 30 years, I'm, certainly I'm going to get to heaven. That doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. It's personal relationship. He judges justly, rightly, and fairly. Do you know him as your personal Savior? Have you accepted him into your life? Is your heart's desire to follow him and to to forsake the things of the world? Because in this world today, we need that strong stand that says, you know what, I'm going to forsake these things. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's hard to take a stand sometimes. We saw that this week in the prayers for John. There's not a lot of people that that want to stand up for what is right and what is true. But part of his names are going to bring that. But he's going to judge properly and fairly. And he's going to be the one that delivers us from our sins. And so Christ is the agent of deliverance. He's the only agent of deliverance. It's not by your works. It's not by your deeds. It's not by uh, your family ties or the church you go to. It's by Christ and Christ alone. Jesus delivers us from the sin of wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1, right? So the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life. I'm a sinner. I deserve to die. But because of my relationship and my standing in Christ, he's going to deliver me from the wrath to come. And then it tells us in Galatians 1, 4, he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father. So it's not only to deliver us from the things that are to come that we deserve, but even in this present age, he is alive and active. He's given us the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that dwells in us, that gives us power and strength. When we all turn our faces towards Christ, the world grows dim, right? The things of earth will grow strangely. I'm an old hymn guy, so I like some of those old hymns. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim, And as we look upon him, he radiates. When you give your attention towards him, he lights up the room. He lights up your life. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter what it is that you're facing. And I'm not minimizing things that we go through because we all go through difficult things. But it's a lot more bearable because we can see the face of Jesus. We can see the hope knowing that these things are not going to last forever. God has a plan for us. And so, the second question is, is God governing your life? Is he in control of your life? Is he the one that you are following and desire to follow? Not rebelliously, not dragging your feet, but but is your heart really to allow him to govern your life? It says the government will be upon his shoulders. And his character, it says, will be revealed. This is the third thing. And as we look at these names it says in his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace i think of that wonderful father or wonderful counselor what what was isaiah what would you have been picturing if god would have revealed that to you i'm going to send the messiah And these are some of his names. This is some of his characteristics that he's going to have. And this word wonderful, sometimes we think, well, that's just wonderful, or, you know, it's a little bit better than average. That's not what wonderful meant. In the original words, it means exceptional or distinguished. He is going to be exceptional. He is going to be distinguished, different than anything there ever was or ever will be. He is going to be wonderful. Counselor, who the people will gladly listen to as having authority. You know, as believers, even though it's tough at times, we should gladly listen to God's word. We should accept it readily. When we read God's word and it's in conflict with our life, it shouldn't be we're trying to change God's word. It should be we're trying to change our life. As a believer in Christ, we should gladly listen to him as having authority. And I've shared this before. There's times I don't understand God. There's times I look at circumstances and situations, and and I would even say in in a human sense, I would disagree with God. But guess what? I know that I'm wrong and that he's right. That's in my mind. I'm wrong. I got this thought or this feeling when I see a child die, when I see devastation. I, I don't agree with it. I don't see the good in it or the purpose in it. But then I'm not God. He's God. And so I know I'm wrong and he's right. And I just pray to God, God, give me an understanding. He's the counselor. Do we gladly accept his authority in our lives? It says in Isaiah 2.3, Many people shall come and say, Come, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I I think as a church we should be doing that, that as a body of believers we say, Come, now let us teach teach us his ways, that we might walk in his paths. You know, one of my my cliches for everything that I look at or try to balance out in my life or when I face problems is what does the Bible say? Because I believe the Bible to be authority for all things in our life. I believe the, the Bible to be the healing salve in our life for, for things that are, are upside down. You know, We look to God's word for hope, for correction. We look at it for, for encouragement in our life. We look at it as we do our food, as nutrition, spiritual food in our life. Come, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. And then the next word is mighty God. So mighty God, what do we think? Well, when we think of mighty, we think about strong. Some commentators talk about, well, you know, he's all powerful, all all strength. You know, it's like when you're a little kid, you know, is it possible for God to make a stone so heavy that he can't lift it type thing? And we got these pictures in our mind of what mighty means. And I don't really think it's that. I've read some commentators that I agree with. That the mighty means this. When we go back to the wonderful that he is exceptional and distinguished, and even in his might, that he was the only one that could come and die for our sins. He doesn't only have the government upon his shoulders, but it says that when he hung upon the cross, he bore the sins of the world upon himself. That's a mighty God. And he was the only one that could do it. So when we look at the character, when we look at these titles, these are titles that can only fit the Messiah that can only fit Jesus Christ. Mighty God, is he the stronghold in your life? Is he the one that carries you through the storms? Are you the one that hangs on to him when you're going through some of those difficult times? Everlasting Father. Well, that's sort of a confusing one in some aspects because we say, well, how can the the son be the father? But that title of, of son only relates in time. You know, with God, there is no time. And I, I can never wrap my mind around this. I can't even really explain it, though I try to. With God, there is no time. There is no beginning or end. Everything is instantaneous for him. But for us, there's time. Jesus came to this earth in a point of time of human creation. He spent his, his years, his 33 or so years, here walking amongst us. That's where we get the sun. But never forget that when he was here, he was still fully God, even though he was fully man. He was never separated. It's not like, well, you know, here's the Holy Spirit in this corner and the God, the Father's over there and Jesus is there. They were always one. I believe fully in the scriptures when it says that at any moment he could have called down a multitude of angels. He could have put an end to anything that he wanted to at any time because he was fully God. They are not separated. They are one. But in time, he was The Christ. He was our Savior that came down amongst us because we needed that. So Everlasting Father describes his relationship to time, not to the rest of the Trinity, because he was always continually linked with him. He was continually praying to the Father. We know that he had the Holy Spirit in his life. And his final title was Prince of Peace. And so we sometimes will think, when we think about peace and we think about Jesus and we think about him coming again, we'll think about the millennial peace. But I want us today just to think about the inner peace, the inner peace that's in our life. Because we can't always control what's going on around us, but we can allow God to control what's going on in us. And so we need peace in our life. We sing a lot about peace at Christmas time, and it's a time, you know, of anxiety. It's a time of stress. It's a time of all these things going on. But we need peace in our life. And you know, it's only the peace of Jesus that is the only real peace in our life. It's the only one that can really give us the lasting peace. That when the world is going around and and crashing around us, that we can say, you know what? I'm okay with that. I got peace in my heart. I know if I was to leave today, that I would be in the presence of the Father. That's the peace that we can have. And so it says he's the Prince of Peace. The one who will bring and maintain peace in your life. And that only comes when you surrender your life to him. Isaiah 9, 6, is this, this is the first time when he talks about peace. 25 more times he's going to talk about peace through the rest of the book. So it talks again about the character. These are all character traits of who the Savior is. And so as, as God is revealing this to Isaiah, he's sort of painting this picture of who this Messiah, of who this Christ would be. He is going to be that wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's going to be the answer, he's saying, to all of Israel's problems and beyond that, to all the world's problems. You know, if you've ever watched an orchestra, it's sort of amazing, and I'm not a big orchestra guy, though. Every now and then in the radio, I'll I'll listen to some of it, but... If you've ever seen there, they got like uh, the brass, I'm not even a musician, so I'll probably get this wrong, but you got the brass, and you got the woodwinds, and you got the strings, the percussion. Is there more? <laughs> Is that the four major food groups in the orchestra? <laughs> but you have all these people that are up there, right? And if, if you've ever watched before they start, they sort of make a terrible noise. Right? Everybody's sort of doing their own thing. Do you guys do that up here? I haven't paid attention. Everybody's tuning their guitar because the string breaks. and Somebody's hitting a drum and somebody's like, what song are we <laughs> It just sounds sort of, so an orchestra is like that. And that's sort of what this world is like. We're sort of out of tune. And our desire is to be in tune with God. And all of a sudden the conductor stands up and he, he taps his stick, you know. And and a hush comes over, and all the eyes are upon that conductor. And then he begins to go. And when everybody is in sync, beautiful things happen, wonderful things happen. That's how it is with Christ. And so as I started today, when we keep our eyes upon Christ, he's our conductor. And when we're out of sync a little bit, when our, our, our life is out of tune, when we break a string of, of in our life of something that's going on, we just need to look to him. He'll tap. We look, and he directs. And when he directs, it's going to be beautiful. And so we understand that. And it tells us at the very end here, to order established with, it says, uh, it with judgment and justice from this time forward forevermore. Forevermore. He is in control. He is sovereign. He's providential. He's going to guide us. He's going to take us through these things. We waste a lot of energy sometimes and a lot of time trying to do God's work for him. God sometimes just says, hey, let me do the work. You just hop on the train and, and we'll have a beautiful ride together. We need to do that sometimes as we get our eyes on him. And so he ends it up this way. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform all this. I like that word zeal. It means great energy, enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Pursuit of a cause, and objective. And it's not us that's doing all this. If you, if you notice there, it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform all this. He's going to do all this. It's going to be right before our eyes. As Isaiah was probably experiencing this, at least as I put myself in Isaiah's position, he must have said, man, this is going to be a great thing to see. It's going to be a great thing to see. And you know, when we pay attention to the world, We see history revealing itself, unfolding right before our eyes. We see biblical prophecy unfolding right before our eyes. We should be standing back and saying, this is a beautiful thing to see. Even with some of the disasters and the the evil that's out there, God's hand is still at work. And when God's hand is still at work, it's a beautiful thing to see. Jesus, the name of God. The the Messiah, the Savior, is the only one that can make a difference in your life. I pray that you know him today. And if you don't, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get it right. I mean, there's no big, you know, complication with this. Jesus says, if you believe, do you believe that I am who I say I am? But it will change the direction of things. You know, we had had people uh, like Abram and Sarai and Jacob and them they all had a name change. And when that name change came, came, a came a change of direction in their life too. Well, guess what? When you adopt the name Christian, there's a change in your life. Jesus says the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He says, I want to do a new work in you. Are we willing to let him do that? I think the greatest thing about this Christmas gift, this baby that was born in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ is this, that God no longer dwells with his people, but he dwells in them. He dwells in us. When Jesus left, he loved us enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit in your life. And again, the Holy Spirit isn't a part of God. It is God himself. God lives in us. God dwells in us. Do you know this Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. We thank you for the prophecies given through Isaiah and throughout all of Scripture. But Lord, we're, we're looking today at some of the characteristic names that Isaiah has given. And Father, we just need to stand back and look at it with awe. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Father, you are our hope. You are our sustainer. You are our strength when we are weak. You give us vision when our eyes grow dim. Lord, continue to work in our life. Continue to work in this body. Lord, we've had some great testimonies today. We've had some great laughter. But Lord, the seriousness about a relationship with you is something that we need to be reverent about. Father, help us, if we do not know you, Lord, open our eyes, that we see the need that we need. And Lord, even as your people, we fall short, we fall short many times. And Lord, we need our eyes open, we need to be challenged, we need correction in our life. Lord, help us to turn our eyes upon you, that we might follow you where you lead. And so Lord, we just thank you again for this morning you have given us. But Lord, it doesn't end here. When we leave this place today, we have another whole week that is set before us, a week of ministry, a week of of testimony, a week of giving you glory. And so, Father, help us to be ever mindful of that thing. Give us opportunities this week, people, to cross our paths that we say, Hey, Lord, I know that it is you doing this. And give us the boldness to share that message. So, Lord, bless each one here, Lord. And we just thank you for this time together and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.